and welcome. It's David and Brent joining you again. Today's Thursday, August the 6th. So Brent, um, we had some users reaching out saying, hey, you did a macroeconomic outlook a few months ago. Lots happened and lots changed. And so this is a response to some of their questions, a few slides over the next 10 or 15 minutes to summarize some of our observations and some of the things that we're talking about and thinking about. So Brent, do you want to start us off by talking about what we've observed with respect to the economy over the last few you're the resident macroeconomic <laughs> expert and in-house expert, so we'll let you get started off. We've confirmed to have all of our worst fears, right, about the macroeconomy and that it's, it's really shrunk. And you can see this contraction here that we've, we've seen, and that doesn't even include, uh, I don't think Q2 is on this chart. Uh, might be on this one, but definitely so. we'll show you on the next ones. Huge, huge decline, okay? And you just look back through history and you just don't see anything of that magnitude. So we really are in a, a pretty, a, the contraction is real. I think everybody understands that the magnitude of it though is massive. And I think that's important to remember going forward. It's going to take a long time to readjust from this. I mean, this is not going to get cured quickly. Uh, you don't have this kind of a disruption in the macro economy and just fix it overnight, even with a vaccine. I mean, I think a vaccine would be great and it would stimulate a lot of economic activity, but there has been some structural damage done to the economy that is going to take a long time to uh, rectify. And we can't stimulate our way out of this, right? The stimulus is preventing the downside, right? We're trying to prevent the fallout to the bottom. Uh, we're not anywhere near trying to get this thing recovered. So here's another way of looking at this. This is the, the percent change. This is the change from uh, the quarter from the year before and, and the contractions. We don't have a record like this. Right. This is data back to 19, before the 1950s, and you just don't see anything like this. And so you might be looking at this and going, well, that's only 9%. I heard somewhere it was 32% reduction. Yes, this is... If you annualize this rate of change, the annual rate of change is 30, negative 32%. So if we were to do this for a whole year, that's what it would take off of our economy. So that is just an unbelievable number. And again, I think the key point in understanding all of this is understanding just how long and hard this is going to be to recover from. And I think a lot of it is sector specific. So if you're in the hospitality industry, I mean, it's, it is going to be a travel industry. This is going to take years to fix. Yeah. And just so, I mean, for a comparison, right, this metric is down 9%. In the Great Recession, which was sort of those once in a generation uh, contractions that we were watching, uh, it was down, you know, less than about four, four and a half percent. So this is a much sharper contraction and it's going to take time. And we know how long it took to get out of the Great Recession. And this is going to take a long time as well. Here's another one that we can look at, you know, unemployment rates. Previously, we had high watermarks back in the Great Recession, about 10% back in 2010. We also creeped above 10% in the early 1930s. And we were, we hit a low. We were, of course, we were at record lows, uh, about four and a half percent going into this thing. And we went from lifetime lows to all-time highs of, I guess, initially about 14 and a half percent. And then we've adjusted pull the back closer to 12%. So well above any other levels. When you make these charts, you have to adjust the axes because we've definitely reached new levels. Right. 
what's the response been? So we've had the economic hit. There's been three rounds of responses, three categories of responses. I think what's really important to keep in mind, Jamie Dimon with JP Morgan's really talked about this a lot. It's usually we have the recession, like the financial crisis in 2009, and then we get the res- we start to see the data, and then we do the stimulus. And what's different about this time around is we knew we had the problem before the data showed up. So we had the first few rounds of the stimulus almost immediately as soon as the economic contraction started. And so the first way that we saw was the Fed stepped in to lower the Fed funds target rate, which lowered interest rates across the board, mostly with this bank prime rate. We're going to look at that. Lowered the T-bill rates as well. The second wave has been the Fed stepped in and started purchasing a lot of assets to help add liquidity to the markets. And finally, we have the massive stimulus efforts that are going underway. And we've seen the early parts of that. And now we're in the rounds of another negotiation. So Brent, I'll let you talk about this one. This is the Fed balance sheet. And, you know, for those of us, again, this is another axis adjusting chart. For those of us that were really talking about the increase in the balance sheet during the last recession, we've really got to stretch our necks for this one. It's kind of mind blowing to just look at it when, you know, you're, we're used to this kind of environment right here where that thing is pretty constant, even even after the Great Recession, we finally stabilized here and that, you know, the Fed's balance sheet stayed stable and actually started to contract. Remember that? Actually withdrawing monetary stimulus in 2019 and early 2020 for just a little bit. And actually this, this little decline caused all kinds of hiccups, uh, if you remember, and now just shot it way up here and probably likely to go even higher, I think, in the future. So as you think about that response, I think David's point was right. You know, it was, it was really good. We did it ahead of time. So one of the things that didn't happen is typically when you're going into recession, what you'll start to see are things like delinquencies and and other things start to creep up on people and you start to get that built in. Well, this time we kind of tried to preempt some of that, but I think it's unlikely that that's all going to work. I think you're going to start to see more and more challenges in the credit markets and the regulators are going to have to be probably pretty lenient on financial institutions to get them through all of this because you know if you think about having loans on hotels restaurants even uh rental houses uh rental units apartment buildings there's going to be a lot a lot of financial stress that's going to start showing up more and more i think and and that's going to put pressure on this again and so the fed's going to really have to work hard to keep rates down uh one quick story i'll add i remember watching, I, I don't know why I watched this, right? So during the last recession, we went from a trillion dollars in the assets to two trillion on the Fed balance sheet. And they hauled Ben Bernanke in front of Congress to testify, right? What are you going to do about this? And he had this elaborate plan about how they're going to manage this money. And then through quantitative easing between 2009 and 2014, we grew that to four and a half trillion. And now it's, you know, at seven. And so it's just sort of an interesting, we hauled the Fed chairman in front of Congress and really grilled him going from one to two. And we've sort of, we've been, I'm not saying we're not concerned, but we've been much less concerned as we've gone from two to seven. It's just sort of interesting to watch that. One metric here is the prime loan rate. We've seen this, we wrote some articles about this and it's sort of this up and down, we've stepped it down through the early 2000s, then we saw it increase back up to about eight, eight and a half percent before the last recession. And it contracted to about three and a quarter where it spent most of its time. Again, Brent mentioned earlier, we saw that increase in 
of the retraction of the Fed balance sheet. We saw an increase in interest rates in 2018 and last part of 17. And now they've sort of fell back to the basement levels that we saw. You know, the Fed's been pretty clear they're not planning to go to negative interest rates. So that's not one of the tools they've been talking about using, but they're using this, this asset purchasing on the other side to help that. So one of the charts that I really like, I think it's important to keep in mind, this is for triple B rated corporations, uh, the effective yield of their bonds. What we really have to keep in mind is this idea that interest rates went lower. The Fed lowered the interest rates and that was a good thing. But if you look at some of these individual markets, the interest rate for these triple B rated bonds, which these are not junk, right? These are still investment grade bonds. They went from about two and three quarters percent or so 2.75% up to about five and a half percent whenever the things really started to fall apart in March and April. This is when the Federal Reserve was freaking out. This is when uh, Jay Powell was standing up saying, we have unlimited ammunition. We're going to keep throwing resources at this. We're going to have unlimited purchasing of, of, of bonds. So they were out really hard to make sure this was freaking out the Fed Reserve Bank. And so we saw this run up really quickly. And then we started, if, if you're out trying to finance your corporate, if you're the CFO, I think Lowe's is, is an example of a triple B rated company. If you're trying to find, get bonds financed, you're going to be freaking out going from two and three quarters over five and a half percent, more than doubling of your interest costs in just a few weeks. This has gone back in this lower trend lower. So that's been a positive development, but right. there was some freak out there for a moment. The, this is why the Federal Reserve did what it did, because it wanted to stabilize this market. Now, the question is, did they have they done too much, too risk-free, I guess, but they needed to do something to stabilize this market. This, this is a great prime example of, of why they did what they did. I think there's starting to be some evidence that, you know, it's, it's hard, I think, to, for some companies to get financing now credit is probably a little tighter than probably the Fed would like. But if you're a bank, they're reserving huge amounts of reserves for loan losses. So, you know, the commercial real estate market that I talked about earlier, that it's no secret to them what's coming. And, and so they're trying to get ahead of it and they're, they're in caution mode. And so I think the credit markets right now are working okay, but we're going to have to keep an eye on it going forward. So a couple more points to make. This is a chart looking at the federal level of government spending. It was about $5 trillion as we rounded out 2019, early 2020. It's now at $9 trillion. So we've really ramped that up. A lot of this, of course, being the, the stimulus activities. You can see the stimulus activities that we saw back in the last slowdown, it was sort of a blip on the radar screen. You have to really zoom into the graph to see it going from $3 trillion to $3.5 trillion. A huge difference here in the response. Again, I think a lot of this is because it was a virus and we sort of understood or we knew about it early and we thought we understood a lot about the economic impacts. Oh, David, one thing I was going to say, if you go back to that slide, I think this is important to understand is that this level of the federal government spending is clearly unprecedented. And I think for those of us in agriculture, this is going to have big impacts. Right now, the government is putting a lot of money toward agriculture, but the magnitude of this is not sustainable. And they're talking about additional two, three trillion dollars of stimulus, right? A trillion was the table stakes that were, were offered. And so, you know, this number is going to get bigger. 
And I think, you know, we have to be realistic going forward, thinking about farm bills and other things to think that this money, that money is going to be as available as it was in the past makes me nervous. I think at some point, everybody realized this is not sustainable. And so it's prudent to do it right now to stabilize the economy, but this is going to have repercussions for years. We're working on an article, I'll tease it. When Biederman drinks, everyone drinks. When Biederman pays, everybody pays. And at some point, we're going to have to work through this. This is going to be a lingering problem for a lot of politics and the economy for a decade or more. Sequestration stuck around in the last uh, farm bill all the way to the bitter end, right? It was a decade long of sequestration and, and arguing over the 2014 farm bill. This one was huge. And so we can only imagine how long the implications are going to be. And sequestration came out of the last time we kind of bumped up spending, right? In the Great Recession, there was this move to say, hey, we got to rein in spending. And that's, and they couldn't agree on something, so they just put across-the-board cuts on everything, right? And that, that's what happened. I mean, this is a look at the deficit-level spending. We, you can look at the deficit spending that we saw. This is a cyclical quarterly pattern going on here. This is quarterly data. And we got really concerned the last time around, as Brent mentioned, when the deficit started approaching, I guess this is $150 billion. And now it's somewhere 600 billion, almost 700 billion. And so this is just mind blowing numbers. Uh, and this is quarterly data. So it's a big number if you, when you go to annualize it. And so there was the concern a decade ago, we've blown that out of the water. And here's another way of looking at this. This is the deficit as a percentage of GDP. And we got really concerned when the deficit got to about 10% of GDP. And that was during the last recession. You go back the the last time it was, you know, really severe was in that World War II era zone was at 27, 26%. We already had the deficit working against us over the last few years. The deficit was going the wrong way. We got that shrunk to about three or 4%. Now it's back to five. And it's sort of anyone's guess. The economy's contracting and spending's going up. The numerator and the denominator are going the wrong way. So you can only imagine what this, that this number is going to look like. It's going down here somewhere, right? Somewhere around 20%. I think that's, you I mean, could draw the, if you want to do the over under, probably around 25% would be where you'd want to put the, the forecast network question if we had one on that. It's, it's going big time negative. And this, this is going to have implications. So we're going to work through these next slides quickly. Here's some interesting observations we've made. The savings rate for individuals has shot up. So something we hadn't ever seen before. So a huge increase in the number, the amount of savings that's going on at the individual level. Here's a look at credit card debt. Credit card debt has really fallen off over the last few months in light of this slowdown. And so I think one of the challenges that we're going to have to work out on this structural readjustment that Brent talked about is some consumers are saving money and they're not going out and they're not going on vacations. They're not, they've been able to keep their job. They're not going on vacations. They're not spending. They're not going out to eat. And so their financial outlook's improving as we're seeing here, but there's still 15% of the population or the economy or the workforce that is looking for a job. They can't find a job. And so that's going to be a really hard situation to balance as the economy recalibrates. In, in some ways, a positive story, right? So we get vaccine, we get used to living with this situation. There's room for consumers to, to get going again. And so in some ways, positive story there a little bit, I guess. Definitely. So a few final points, and then I'll let Brent wrap 
keep up with anything he has on his mind. I think the prospects of the V recovery are fading. We looked at this in the ethanol or the gasoline markets. You know, there was a strong recovery about to the second week of June, and then it just stalled. We thought that the third quarter of the U.S. economy, where we are today, would have much more growth and that pent-up demand would be coming in. I'm just not sure it's going to come now. We're still seeing this economic constraint from the, the pandemic. If you like an analogy, the worst of the storm is behind us, but now is the hard part, and it's getting out and actually rebuilding and starting to get these, this economy put back together. The stimulus was very helpful for weathering the storm, but that didn't undo the damage. It helped weather the damage, but we still have damage. And as we talked about before, the impacts of this are going to linger for years. And I don't think that was something we initially anticipated in March and early April. We thought this would be this quick down and quick recovery and the U.S. economy would have a little bit of a stub toe, but it's going to be because of the pandemic and we sort of put an asterisk beside it and we'd move on. This is going to last a long time. Yeah, it's going to have repercussions a long time. In some sectors, retail, food service, travel, hospitality, going to be uh, just a big, big deal for a long time. Other things to think about uh, that we didn't really cover here. One thing I can ta- think about is the dollar. Okay, the dollar has weakened substantially in recent times, and I, and that's good for agriculture. That's something that's a positive, I think, out of all this on the ag side. But uh, part of the reason it's weakening is just because of those charts we showed you of what's going on, deficit spending, Fed's balance sheet, other things going on, weakening the U.S. dollar. And you're going to see a lot of talk about that, I think, in the next few months. And gold prices, you know, very appreciating rapidly. Uh, you're going to see that stuff bubbling to the front of a lot of newspapers and other things here uh, in the coming months. So keep your eye on those too. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. We're going to wrap it up with this one. Lots of new questions on the Forecast Network, including one that's looking at the U.S. corn and soybean yield for next week's WASD. So take a look at that and we'll see. Uh, That's the big one, right? I mean, that's that's going to be a a big uh, report. So get your forecasts in see what you think it's a flash question so you can get it in anytime and it'll help boost your score so 180 bushels for corn is the number that everyone's going to be watching for so we'll see where it ends up thanks for joining us and we'll catch you catch you next time thanks thanks